Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health. Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mud Water offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mud Water is zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mud Water as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mud Water difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mud Water. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. All right, and with that, hello folks, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and thank you for joining us on today's fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. I am joined once again by my partner in crime, all things sales, Jeremy Todd. He is returning to the program. I teased this last uh, last week, Jeremy. We have a new reoccurring segment here in the show. Uh, you and I will be talking about sales, and then uh, Chris Goizetta and I will be talking about marketing, because I, I truly believe that it is mm-hmm. a sales and marketing perspective that will help bridge the gap. So that being said, Jeremy Todd, welcome back to the show, and welcome, I guess, officially to now this reoccurring uh, role here on the program. That's right, Ben. Uh, baby daddy that's that's right <laughs> that's yeah right. go the, team the audio listeners like oh baby daddy no Jer- jeremy literally is a, is a baby daddy um his little <laughs> you'll hear the baby in the background nine weeks old my goodness man and and here you are on the show talking about sales and particularly today objections mm-hmm. right jeremy objections and sales it's it's something we all have to deal with particularly though in politics it gets tough because there's a lot of emotion mm-hmm. into it but the still the process is the same but let's talk about objections from the, the onset. What is overcoming an objection when we're talking about it from a sales perspective? Yeah. So uh, first, I think it's really important to understand what an objection is. And so in sales, what an objection is, is somewhere along the way where you're kind of crafting your understanding of the client, uh, you know, kind of evaluating their needs, presenting value, building 
trust, uh, and then eventually trying to close on a solution where they purchase from you. Along the way, you will encounter what are kind of no's, essentially, the word no. And the word no comes in two forms. Uh, At least this is the way I was taught, um, and it makes a lot of sense that there's rejection and objection. Now, rejections are kind of like when you were in high school and if you were like me, you were kind of the loser uh, chubby kid. Um, and uh, well, I guess that would be more middle school uh, for me. <laughs> um, I, I was, I, people look back and be like, he was captain of the football team. What the hell? Don't worry, dude. Um, I, 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 was, I was 385 pounds. I am right there in that dude, same ballpark. Yeah, I get it. So, but you you go up and you ask your crush out and she goes, I would never be seen in public with you. You are hideous, annoying. I don't like you. I don't ever want to know you. That's rejection. Rejection is you are not good enough for me, right? Uh, and objection is a little different. And objection is where somebody says, well, I would, but, or I want to, I but, oh, right? There's and, and it comes in two parts. And what happens in, in sales or in politics is oftentimes we only hear the but blank, right? I would but blank. We need to start listening to the I would, right? Or the I want to. That That's extremely important. The customer uh, that you're trying to sell to just told you yes. Yep. It's like a yes, but that's what an objection is. So I think that foundational understanding of they're not rejecting you or your idea. They're saying, well, I would, but I'm facing this other issue. How important, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. And how important is it to separate? Because you just did it right there. You separate mm-hmm. the objection from the idea, the the emotional attachment that you mm-hmm. have to whatever it is. And in this case, it's not a no. I guess it's not really a product per se. It's more of a service slash an idea, mm-hmm. right? In in I guess across the board because we're talking we're talking mm-hmm. about liberty, but we're also talking about I guess candidates. So you can kind of have multiple right. different ways to approach this. But at the end of the day, if they say oh, I would, but that's not them being you know attacking towards you. That that's them acknowledging that they are at least curious enough to say, mm-hmm. yeah, this might solve my problem, but here are my reservations. And and as yep. a sales uh, manager, you know, one of my main focuses when I'm trying to help with my team and coaching is, is helping them through a sales process and understanding the mm-hmm. different roles of the sales process. And when you come to objections, my oh my always my instinct I've I've always taught has been to do uh, three things: isolate, understand, mm-hmm. and overcome. The isolate part I say is super important because we want to make sure that the actual objection is the real objection. I say understand because not only do we want to isolate that objection, but we want to get into the the root of what's causing this objection. If Mm -hmm. they, you know, I've used this example before. If their objection is that they want free healthcare, the real concern is not the free healthcare, but rather the the cost of healthcare. That's the underlying mm-hmm. objection. So to understand and then to overcome, right? To to kind of go back to what was the underlying cause of that objection and to be mm-hmm. able to make sure that the solution that we're presenting is actually answering that objection while at the same point in time helping move us through the sales cycle. So Jeremy, let's kind of go through this because when I was setting up the okay. conversation today, I know as a libertarian, you know, whether it's if you're a Republican with a small L next to your name or a big L libertarian with the, the, the libertarian party that you're trying to promote, 
there have been common objections across the board for folks who bear the libertarian name because we really mm-hmm. aren't taken seriously too often. So let's kind right. of start from here. What are some of the common objections that libertarians are seeing across the board? And what are some uh, ways that we can go ahead and try to start overcoming them? <clears throat> well, uh, I think the first one, I'm a big L libertarian. So the biggest one I hear is, well, uh, you can't win. You're some some form of you can't win. It's a wasted vote. Um, you're going to help X person get elected, whatever it may be. Um, all, all of those kind of come in together, it, which which shows a really important thing that has to do with objections is that they can all sound that. They're, they're very rarely the same words, right? Like there's uh, there's this thing called a smokescreen objection, which is a, essentially a very creative way of hiding what your real problem is. Um, and I, I've always felt like those are kind of smokescreen objections down to the core of, well, I would vote for a third party, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm worried I'm going to spoil the election or this or that. I, I don't always find that that's the true objection. And so that's what, where you're talking about isolate the objection. So they, they may rattle off a couple other things. Well, I would, but you know, I don't want so-and-so to win and that you guys can't win. And it's going to be, uh, you know, a vote for this party is really right. a vote for that party, you know, all of those things together. Um, but what's really happening there is they aren't convinced enough, right? Something convinced me enough to say, we all live in a world where we understand that the libertarian party has an uphill battle to win these elections, right? We don't have the name recognition. We don't have the money. Um, people are more inclined to vote for the two party system, uh, naturally. So if there are those of us though, who are willing to against those odds say, no, we are, what was it that got us to that point? Well, it was enough. It was enough value created in the in the party and in the candidates that solve the problems that we have. So what's really going on here, I, in my opinion, when somebody says, well, I don't want to be a, you know, th- that's a smokescreen. So how do we isolate? Well, the first key is, is, well, you have to ask a lot of uh, good questions about what the objection is, right? So um, when somebody says, well, I, I you guys can't win. I, I would vote for a third party, but you guys can't win. And I wouldn't want the Democrats to win. Let's just use that for example. And so the goal there is, okay, hey, I can totally understand that. Look, I don't want Democrats to win either. So that sort of first phrase is very, very important in handling objections because like you said, they just presented you with a no and the natural reaction of human beings when there's a no is that they believe it's going to be confrontational. Mm -hmm. And so what you have to do is take it from a confrontation back to a conversation. And so you say, hey, totally, I understand. Look, I'm not voting for Democrats because I don't want them to win, right? So I I get what you're saying. Empathize a little bit with what they're trying to do and what matters to them. And then what was your second one? Isolate. Understand. Understand. Yeah. Yeah. So the only way you can ever understand another human being is by asking more questions and listening. So- that that that's what you have to do there. Tell me what it is about Democrats potentially being elected that you fear. Yes, I was expand. <laughs> I was going to ex- jump in before you went yeah. that route. So yeah, keep going, please. You're on the right path there, Jeremy. Please. Yeah, and then just then listen. 
and expand a little bit because what they're going to tell you in, in their fear of the Democrats being elected is really here's what you haven't sold me on yet. Yep. And they're going to give you the ammunition or or at least the direction to take the conversation they, next. When they will leaders. literally help coach you Absolutely. to show you how to sell them. That's 100%. that's why the questions are so important. And this is also <laughs> why I think what I've heard from the responses to the ebook so far, um, which it's the four easy steps to help sell liberty to friends and family, right? That that's right. been the number one thing people have been taking away is that the asking questions part is the part that a lot of folks have left out of what they thought was sales. They think sales mm-hmm. is just, hey, here's my product, buy it, right? Mm-hmm. That's not sales. Sales nope. is what's your problem? Do I have a solution to help solve that problem? Mm -hmm. And the only way that we can figure out if we have that solution to the problem is to actually understand what the problem is first. And Mm -hmm. that's to the point that you were just raising up. Let's take that example. If somebody is saying, no, I'm worried that you're going to help get Democrats elected. It's super important for us to understand, well, what is it about Democrats being elected that is so concerning to you? Because then you can peel back those layers and figure out what's the real cause and concerns that they're they're harboring that's beyond just Democrats being elected, right? Now you can get more right. to policy issues or culture issues, whatever it may be, and you can dig into each of those specific examples without having mm-hmm. to have this just generic, oh, I'm afraid of this happening or I don't want this uh, circumstance to be an outcome. Now it's going more down to the nitty gritty and it's helping them reframe things in their minds versus this, you know, black or white, yes or no mentality that I think a lot of us have seen a lot of sales folks promote as the the best way to approach. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. the, the Dwight Schrute, Schrute, you're going to buy this object in three, two, one, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy yeah. it now, right? right? That's not how people really buy. <laughs> no. But that's how I think a lot of people have, have come to think that sales mm-hmm. actually is. And in, in reality, it's not. It's not. And one of the things that we have playing to our benefit as libertarians is that most of the people in these two parties are kind of selling the same product when we really Bingo. get down to it. So so when we ask that question of, uh, well, what is it you really hate about the Democrats or, or that you fear about the Democrats? Well, guess what? I, I guarantee you Republicans have a history of that policy. Uh, 99% of the time, they are going to be doing that. Oh, uh, they're they're just going to print all this money and do socialism and this and that. And you go, okay, well, what do you think socialism is? <laughs> oh, it's well, the government runs things. Okay, so the military, the police, and all of these other massive spending projects. Well, uh, it, it, and you kind of get them to, it, and it takes some time. You want to work them through. You don't want to be combative. And you do want to be empathetic to their positions on those things. But ultimately, the goal is to show them that, hey, these are one and the same. There's there's I, I, don't, I don't fear a Democrat being in power any more than a Republican being in power, because honestly, as a libertarian, at the end of the day, people are less free when those two are in power. Yep. Um, and so that helps me craft to my kind of solution, which is we have to support third parties or candidates that are libertarian to break this sort of monotonous mold that the two party system has on our system. Even if that's through even the idea, even though I'm not a supporter of it, of libertarian Republicans, the entire idea is to break the current structure. Right. Uh, And so that that's my sales system is that, look, we've become less free. Uh, It was it was Every every governor, red and blue, locked us in our homes and told us we couldn't go outside under the threat of violence. So 
I don't know. Maybe they're not pro freedom. Uh, so that that that's a little bit of that. The other thing is, um, I I was a physics major before I got into sales, uh, which is a really odd combination. I was gonna say uh, what a I, jump that it, was, Jeremy. Yeah, Woo. yeah. Well, oh, it's because I failed out of physics. I was not very good <laughs> at it. But I I remember uh, I remember uh, Newton's laws of of motion, and I think about those a lot in in the human condition. Uh, and human psychology. So uh, one of the one of the ones that sticks with me the most is the law of inertia, which is an object in motion will remain in motion and an object at rest will remain at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. And so the and then the the law of momentum is that the amount of force needs to be, you know, congruent with the size and acceleration rate at which you want these things to move. So basically they're all laws about change and how do you get things to change? And so you do have to apply some force in some areas, but honestly, if you can get them just move an objection is an indicator that they're acknowledging that you agree on problems. And if you can get people agreeing with you on problems, well, now you've kind of shifted the inertia. And so they're starting to move in that other direction and it's much easier to get them to continue to move in that direction because an object in motion wants to remain in motion. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's my, that's my thoughts and breakdown on it. I like that. That was a great way to, uh, to break that down. And, and definitely, I think that is a great segue in the, the way I was going to go with this conversation. Cause you started talking about Liberty Republicans and uh, you know, we hear folks like Scott Horton bring on libertarian ideas and you go at the left from the left and then you go at the right from the right. Right. So let's kind yep. of look at it from this perspective when we're going towards maybe the Liberty Republicans or those Liberty leaning Democrats who are saying, yeah, I would do that. But right. There's the, but what mm-hmm. are some of these common objections? What's going to follow the, the, but, Right. What is the I would agree. But let's start here on the right. Let's start with our our liberty friends on the right. What Mm -hmm. are the common objections that we're going to encounter and what are the best ways after we've you know, done the whole process of isolating, understanding and then overcoming? What is usually the the process of going to overcome that from a libertarian perspective? Okay, so one of the the biggest pushbacks I get from the right and I'll I'll tell you. So uh, so you guys know I'm from rural Alabama, like. Cultural conservatism isn't oh it, it isn't like a uh, political position right it, it's it's baseline it's life. It, it is it is it is standard we have more churches than McDonald's okay like it, it is it is what we do and I just got to say that in that environment I've experienced crime uh, I I've, I've I, I know that the the rate of rape drug abuse and all of these things so I there is no magic pill in my opinion, in cultural things. But one of the things that, like, for example, my dad had an objection to was when we say we need to legalize all drugs, that really spooks him a lot, right? And and, and so the way that I have this conversation is that we, I, I keep the core motive of your rights and your freedoms and your protections. And so as we were having this conversation, I, he, he'd say, I can't, I, I like a lot of the things the Libertarian Party stands for, but I don't want to legalize all drugs. And I go, okay, so explain that to me a little bit. And what ends up happening is he starts to, he takes the, the drug issue and it leads into these other things like, oh, well, where there's drug use, there's crime. 
where there's drug use, there's uh, car accidents, right? Where there's drug use, children get abused. Uh, and, and so he's making these connections. And, and one of the, so he's not actually against peaceful individuals sitting in their home doing drugs. He worries that that is going to lead to other bad things. And so the first line that has to be drawn is, no, 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 I need you to understand here. If if your actions do harm to other people, then that's not something we support, and we believe there should be laws against that. But all we are for is in the scenario where somebody peacefully wants to smoke marijuana in their house, I don't think we should be using your tax dollars to lock them in a cage, take them away from their family, uh, not allow them to have a job moving forward because they've got a felony conviction on their hands. I, I don't believe we should be ruining people's lives if they don't harm other people or harm their properties. And you can start to see the wheels turning a little bit. And that's the inertia happening is where you we, we paint these big policy prescriptions, I guess. At, we, we throw out the, like you were saying, we pitch these big solutions without nuance. Right. And that's where the conversation has to come in and, and frame that nuance. If somebody is on drugs and gets in a car accident and kills somebody, yeah, they should probably go to jail for manslaughter. Uh, if somebody robs you to pay for their drugs, well, yeah, they should probably go to jail for robbery. But it's if somebody is peacefully, you know, using a substance in their home, not doing harm to others, that doesn't really go against your values here, does it? And they'll go, well, no, I guess not. And if they say, yeah, I don't like it when people do this because it leads to X, Y, and Z. Well, there's also another good parallel to that, that the right tends to stand up for pretty strongly, which is guns. So somebody using, uh, somebody owning a gun doesn't make them a criminal. Somebody owning a gun doesn't make them shoot somebody. So somebody doing drugs doesn't make them a criminal and doesn't and somebody uh you know doing drugs doesn't make them harm somebody else right so those two parallels uh, that uh, and i i show them that hey if you believe that these people should uh go to jail for just having something or using something that's the equivalent to you just owning a gun to them you're giving them their argument right um and so that, that that was how I approached it with my dad. And eventually he reached a point in our conversation where he goes, okay, I, I'm still really uncomfortable with the idea of there being a heroin store on the corner. And I'm like, okay, maybe. But through the conversation, we were able to build value to the point where he says, I, I, I don't believe people who don't harm other people should be locked in a cage. And I go. It's a step in the right direction, right? That's inertia, baby. That's yep. inertia, right? We're getting there. And so that that is one that I, I find most often from my religious right that I experience and interact with. Now, how about from the left, Jeremy? Because obviously we <clears> see <throat> this on the left. There are folks who are more empathetic on the left to liberty ideas. I would say like the Tulsi Gabbards, the Glenn, uh, Glenn mm-hmm. Greenwalds of the world. They definitely maybe, you know, sing in, in the right kind of key, right, of liberty. They're they're in that that ballpark, and I think we should be having conversations with them as well, but I think we still hear the objections, the objections. Mm-hmm. But, and, and what are those? What would you say are some of those common objections we hear from the left? Right. Um, th- this may not be as specific, but it, it's one that, that I've encountered recently. So I had a friend who 
uh, was actually stuck in Israel uh, recently. He went over to Israel for work. He's an engineer. And uh, his company tried to evacuate him after the first night of missile strikes. Well, there was a COVID-19 test required. And so he had to wait three days. And by that time, the airports were closed and they couldn't get any flights out. So he had to spend another week in a war zone, essentially, uh, because of, of U.S. policies. I was hoping that that would open his eyes a little bit. He's, he's an unabashed socialist. Um, and so uh, it was actually shortly after his flight back that he highlighted a tweet from Bernie Sanders that said we spent $3 billion to Israel on weapons. This isn't even a discussion about Israel. My response was, this is why I hate taxes 101. And <clears throat> engaged him a little bit in that. And he goes, well, I don't hate taxes. I hate the taxes are spent on this. And I, so what I try to do here is isolate and understand, like you said, what, okay. So he hates that his money is spent on things he disagrees with. <clears throat> well, that always seems to be the case. And so I found a lot of effective things with him. And, it, and so I would ask the question to him, okay, so what do you believe tax dollars should be spent on? What do you, what do you believe is justifiable to spend to spend money on to to help others okay and he would rattle off these things and guess what we're already doing those things um and, and so i would say look the you, you you've got to understand that these two things are inexplicably linked and so when you support the ability to tax people for roads for health care for um you know poverty programs and things like that you enable the people at the top to then spend money on sending it to Israel, on wars abroad, on border walls, on all these things you disagree with. So wouldn't it be much better <clears throat> if you got to decide what happened with your money? And we can discuss, and, and honestly, I'm an incrementalist. If we want to discuss lots of different ideas on how we can do restructure tax policy, because look, I believe it's theft but I don't believe we're going to convince everybody it's theft in, in enough time. Um, one of the things that <clears throat> we're considering, uh, I, I'm going to be helping with a gubernatorial campaign here in Arizona. One of the things we're considering is allowing the taxpayer to earmark where their funds go, where their tax dollars go. That's a step in the right direction towards freedom for us. Uh, and, and so that that's the thing that I find uh, most often on the left is that they want to uh, help they, they, they really do have this desire to help poor people. There's a populist movement right now, um, but they don't understand that enabling the government to help the poor people also enables them to destroy the poor people and, and they, that they have more power and ability to do that. Uh, that that's a little tougher conversation. Um, and there are a lot of small nuances that you'll get into there. You know, they'll, they'll have objections about healthcare, about, uh, you know, social equity and rights and things like that. But those are handled in a little more nuance. Um, but basically what you can do, attack the left from the left is say, hey, I want to help poor people too. I don't want any of my money being spent on war. But as long as it's going to the government, it's going to. But if you put that money in my hands and your hands, we might invest it all in 
education. We might be able to invest 100% of our money into these things. And wouldn't that make society better? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I think about it from a a time perspective too, because I say, well, let's think about the issues that are happening right now. Do you think that the issues of, of 2020 are going to be the same issues of 2025? Well, guess what? Right. I, I think the answer is easily no. But guess what? By yeah. the time that the issues that we're seeing in 2020 get through committee, get through the legislative bureaucratic process, they might not get to the floor and actually get mm-hmm. into action until 2025, five years later, 10 years later, right? And that yeah. at that point, it's like, okay, well, I'm sorry. The issue is over. I mean, I know we yeah. see this in public sector jobs all the time where you'll you'll have, mm-hmm. you know, from project to project and there's no real looking to see, did the project work? I mean, did, did what mm-hmm. we set in forth as our goal, did we accomplish that? No? Oh, we're just going to redirect our entire focus and all the dollars towards some other arbitrary, you know, milestone that we're never going to go back and actually effectively means yep. test to see, did we accomplish what we were looking to accomplish? So and I had this conversation with a good friend, she's actually in the show before, uh, Janessa Fenton, where she was, mm-hmm. you know, talking about, you know, hey, she's like, I'm I'm proud to be involved in all these local organizations and such for for local governance. And I said, hey, no, good for you. Like, do that. But like, I don't think that it's it's worth your all your time, energy, and effort to spend all your time there. I think you're gonna find that the things that you see out there as the problems in society, that you can easily address them. In the public sector, and I use the mm-hmm. example because she was doing, mm-hmm. uh, or she still is doing right now, um, and she had mentioned on the show, uh, helping kids who were, you know, not able to go to schools because of the pandemic and because public schools weren't weren't able to be open. She was doing tutoring for kids, and I said you were able to do that on your own without, yep. you know, some government program. But think about if you had to go to your, you know, go to the local governing uh, get board, a license. yeah, exactly, yep. get a license or or get funding, get approval through. The, the political process, think of the nightmare that that would, would put you through yeah. to have to do all that. And, and I think that right there, in terms of an efficiency standpoint, look at the past 15 years. I just tweeted this a couple days ago where look at the things that were not around. I mean, from iPhone to Uber, right, to, you know, from Facebook to uh, what do we have now? TikTok. Just think about mm-hmm. the different technologies and the advancements in technology and how fast it's been growing. Right. And just think about the new status quos that are being established every single day in the technological advancements. Once, I mean, you have a, a smartphone become the status quo for quite literally billions of folks across the world. Think about what's next. Think about now that you have all that technology at the tips of your fingers, what else is out there that people can now start to do beyond just, you know, selling things online and engaging in commerce and beyond just sharing ideas? What is that next step? And we're seeing right now with the advent of, you know, the, the blockchain with, you know, non-fungible tokens, with with things like, um you know, different cryptocurrencies uh, leading with Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin or Ethereum. I mean, you have all these new technologies that are out there that are going to be changing the way fundamentally that things are done. And I think mm-hmm. that is a great compelling sales message to uh, really have on our, our side. And it's something that when we're encountering these objections, both on the left and the right, I think it does speak to, you know, across the board, the merits that, hey, what we're offering as solutions at the very least you can test them a heck of a lot quicker yeah. and a heck of a lot less expensive than the alternative. But with that being said, Jeremy, unfortunately, we're already getting close to time. So, my friend, yeah. how about this? Let's end this uh, this uh, episode here this week because we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks here mid-June with a sales mm-hmm. tip. What would be your sales tip to folks here for the rest of this week and uh, going forward into the uh, the summer months? are going to be out there at barbecue seeing friends and family. What's that tip from Jeremy Todd? Ooh. 
Always I'm getting gonna, the book. I'm getting the book. I'm, I'm going to do what great salespeople do, and I'm going to steal. Uh, because <laughs> You're borrowing. I'm borrowing, right? We are all... Um, we are all uh, great borrowers and stealers. So uh, I think this is the most fundamental book that everyone needs to read. Dale Carnegie um, is the MVP. It, right. By the way, he it showed is, it up to the screen. It's it's how to win people. In, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. How to win friends and influence people. Thank you. Yes. Hands down. Uh, his chapter, his first chapter in six ways to make people like you is you can't win an argument. Um, and uh, I, I should have highlighted. Uh, oh, it, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So you are never going to force someone's opinions to change. You have to lead them to it. Yes. And that's done by what we were talking about today, asking good questions that reveal their true motives and helping them play connect the dots. That's more of a managerial thing oftentimes than sales, but it works in reverse too. So know the, know the end goal you want to reach and help them connect the dots and don't don't be in an argument. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Dale oh, Carnegie. I like that. Jeremy Todd from confrontation <laughs> to conversation. I love the conversation that we had. There was no confrontation, but hey, we showed folks how to overcome <laughs> objections if there ever was any confrontation when they're going through that sales cycle. And as always, mm-hmm. folks, if you enjoyed the episode today, do me a favor, go ahead and share uh, with family, friends, whoever near, uh, needs, whoever needs that is, Jeremy, to hear the message of liberty and how to effectively communicate and sell that message. What we're going to be doing here in the show is, yes, every other week, Jeremy will be joining the show to talk about sales. And then Chris Goizetta, uh, who will be joining the program talking about marketing. And this is uh, exactly the conversations I think we need to be having. And hey, Jeremy, we're, I think we're seeing it across the board. The conversations yes. are changing. Liberty Unity is on the way. I, I, it's it's it exciting, man. It's exciting. It is. And a, a quick plug. Please. Do not miss Chris Goizetta's episode if you're listening to this. Uh, dude is brilliant and so good at what he does. Uh, you guys make sure you catch that episode. Chris is great. I'm episode. In- so so thankful to have Chris on the team um you know helping us here at the show you know candidly grow and and reach more people he's on board with the messaging um and he sees the value in what we're doing he he sees also, this correlation between the greater liberty world and this kind of rock and roll world, right? He talked about mm-hmm. that in the show that we can use that approach that he was using to help bring all these bands. I mean, from bands like Fits in the Tantrums and all the alternative rock world, you know, those mm-hmm. types of bands were brought up by folks like Chris and using yeah. the, the techniques, the skills that he's developed and he's worked on over the years that he's candidly teaching in school mm-hmm. um, and is a professor to folks. I mean, that's exactly the folks we need to be bringing into the movement and listening to. So yes, thank and you, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you so much for absolutely that. appreciate it, my man. Well, Hey, how about this folks? If you enjoy the episode as always, like I said, share with family and friends, hit, uh, head over to uh, our Brian Nichols show.com. Uh, go over to the reviews page. Give us a quick uh, five star rating interview. If you have not had the chance yet. And then if you are interested folks in becoming a member of our Patreon, head over to Patreon.com forward slash the Brian Nichols show. You know it, Jeremy, right? One of these don't That's hurt right. people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. You can uh, definitely spark some conversations there with that. Yep. And uh, as always, if you want to go ahead and get in touch with me, email, email me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. If there's any guests folks want to hear on the show, or uh, if you want to go ahead and get in touch with me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, Parlor.com, at B Nichols Liberty. Jeremy, what's your social media so folks can go ahead and follow you? At Todd 601 
We'll include the links in social media, or rather in the show notes for all social media there. And uh, of course, folks, the ebook, Four Easy Steps You Can Implement Now to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, is briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook link in the show notes. Well, that being said, folks, it's our Monday episode in the books coming up here on Wednesday. Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty. Of course, we're talking uh, how we can sell liberty, but more from a PR perspective, we're talking about Brian's day job uh, being a professional in the, the public relations sector, bringing that to the liberty movement. So folks, thank you. With that being said, Jeremy Todd, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you Wednesday. When we're talking about living a truly free and independent life, we mean it. And that's exactly what Gary Collins, who is the creator of The Simple Life, set out to accomplish. And now you have a chance to learn all the secrets that Gary has developed over decades of trying it out himself, building these amazing courses, as you can go to thesimplelifenow.com and access three amazing courses. One being the Off the Grid Master Course, two being the how to finance your off-grid home course and three how to find your dream off-grid property course and get an awesome 10% off at checkout by using code tbns10 that's right you too can learn how to live a truly free and independent lifestyle by living off-grid and all these amazing courses are delivered to you by yes one gary collins from the simplelifenow.com use code tbns10 at checkout for 10% off your order and start living your free life today Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.